Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now... So welcome back to the Compassionate Capitalist podcast and video for those that are watching on YouTube today. Um, you know, one of the, what, obviously the, the reason why we do this podcast, the, the whole purpose of Compassionate Capitalism is to create wealth through successful entrepreneur endeavors and be the investors that understand the, the risks associated with making an initial investment, but also anticipating the pathways to get to success and maintain success as a private company um, in, in the entrepreneur space. And one of the things that has really become a, a hot button, it's always been for a, a good bit of time, is security with uh, data security in particular and, and your intellectual assets within a company. But now as we have seen sort of this future of work where people are working more remote, they're working, uh, you know, through all different sorts of tools that they're using to access each other in video chats to share documents. That there's all these other new potential cracks in in what we would think of as is the safety of when we're in our own offices, getting access to the data that's on our computer or on a, a server someplace. And so when it was, it, uh, the aha moment kind of came through other particular uh, uh, podcasts that I had done with people talking about investors, talking about looking at future of work and what does that mean and how does that change? And, and of late, when we have seen these, uh, because of the internet of things as something that we don't really think of as being points in on the, uh, to access to the data, but there's, a, a huge opportunity out there for those nefarious people that want to hack our systems, get access to our private information, get access to corporate information, get access to account information, and more and more ways for them to penetrate what we think of as a secure data environment. So it became really important to have a conversation with somebody, a firm and an expert in this particular field to help explain this to what, what the problem is, for you to anticipate it, for you as an investor in a company, for you as a CEO of a company, but then also what can you do to, to anticipate it, to see if you're at risk, as well as to overcome it. And that is what our topic is today, the small business imperative, security in the cloud. And my guest today is Shamil Mendez, of Avicio. Say hello, Shamil. Hi, everybody. Nice to meet you. And uh, so, what Shamil Mendes is the VP of Sales and Marketing at Avicio, which is a business solution provider focused on security, automation, and staff augmentation. Shamil has decades of experience at the intersection of leadership, customer engagement, and business consulting. He's worked with clients at C suite levels of Fortune 500 companies, small business, and government entities extensive experience in account management and building motivated teams, delivering research, business management, and technology solutions. Shamil has helped launch and advise startups in cutting edge technologies 
And that's one of the reasons why he understands the pain of what the small businesses and these CEOs and these early stage and high growth companies might be experiencing with this, this massive shift in what we have in the way that we are doing, conducting business these days. So Shamil is also the graduate of the University of Southern California, is a Gallup certified coach and has a passion for traveling the world. Again, welcome, Shamil. How are you? Thank you, Karen, for having me here. So excited to uh, talk to you and uh, to provide some great information. Um, as, as you said, you know, I've, uh, I have a background in market research, but a few years back decided to leave the whole corporate world, um, particularly for two reasons. Uh, really saw two trends, right? We saw big data uh, coming to the market in terms of uh, companies being able to analyze big data. And then we also saw decentralization and automation really accelerating how companies are making decisions and uh, transforming work, as you said, and how we play and how we interact. And so, you know, decided to leave all of that and really help small businesses and startups launch their products and services and uh, help them, you know, uh, to have a secure environment. So were you seeing that trend prior to uh, March or the first part of this year where the decentralization and the points that you just made, were you seeing that start to happen? I mean, I know that there had been shifts of that, you know, there goes waves and then we kind of come back and we have waves of that and, and the birth of, of these virtual working spaces were often because there was a decentralized, you know, reps in different places. They didn't have to have offices and things like that, but it, uh, um, you know, it seemed like it kind of had tapered off. Right. Um, and did you, had you, but that's just me, you know, sort of in the layman's world, had you in the company seeing that, seeing that happening? So you were already sort of skating to the puck, as they say, when, you know, the necessity to it happened come, you know, with our, with the pandemic. I would say that the remote work was a trend that was happening, uh, specifically after the crash of 2008. Uh, right people having this flexible ability and being furloughed sometimes and working from home. Uh, my teams were very flexible and we used to work one or two days a week uh, from home because it provided us to not only have that balance between work and life, but also the ability to think and not be distracted by all the chaos that goes on as an office, right? So those trends were really present and my former company actually, they've gone fully uh, remote now. You're seeing a lot more large Fortune 500 companies are using this hybrid model and been testing it out. And I think they're making big decisions to really, really go this remote route and even schools for that matter. I, I don't know if that's the best way for kids to learn, but they're also testing and in terms of this hybrid model and having parents stay home. And so there is an interesting trend that's happening. Yeah. So well, we're going to get into to that piece of it, because I remember when we were preparing for this, you had made a point yeah. about all of these particular, you know, and it, and it goes to my comment about the Internet of Things, but all these potential points of entry that um, those that want to, to do harm can get into. But for our audience, let me just sort of set the stage on this, because sometimes it gets in a big, uh, a big you'll see a big news release or a headline about it. But you don't, you know, and that's when you get the big companies like the Equifaxes of the world or, you know, some big state government or, I mean, here in Georgia, we still have one of our counties that I think is under a ransomware situation right now that they were dealing with, with voter information getting hacked two years ago. So 
it's something that that gets in there. But the Scientia, I think that's how you say it, it's C-Y-E-N-T-I-A Institute, did a study and it came out in March of this year. They said over 60% of the Fortune 1000 companies had at least one public breach over the last decade and 50% of the Fortune 250s. An exposure of 1,000 records, so they kind of estimate what the cost is on this, has a 6% chance of exceeding $10 million in their costs. And by comparison, a massive breach of 100 million records has a better than 50% chance of racking up at least 10 million in losses. And so that can really start to, and that's, not, that's just in the recovery, the ill will, the, all the other things that happen without even being held hostage over it. And we have seen, which has been quite startling in some of the headlines in the middle of this pandemic, where hospitals are being held hostage with ransomware, where they shut down their entire um, operational systems, all of their equipment, all this stuff. They have to take these patients out of the hospital and move them someplace else because they got hacked, right? And they get hacked not only because of just your traditional ways of breaking in through a firewall, but through the internet of things, right? Everything is attached. And this is part of, you know, the, that we think, we don't think about, you know, these, these devices where you speak to it in a room as being an open channel to the internet, but they are. And so uh, that has been, you know, one of these issues that now to the point that, you know, this is something that big companies, but they say small businesses don't necessarily experience it as much. But one of the things that we talked about before, Shamil, was that there's, um, that you have seen a rise in this because you now have these employees working from home, just going through a regular old dial-up. They might be using Google Apps to do their stuff that's hosted in a cloud that they have, or there might be a shared folder or something that they might be sharing, or they're, they've got a Zoom thing going on. But at the same time, their kids are on computers because they're doing distance learning. They've got their spouses on stuff, and they do have the, a lot of homes have these, these devices that you can talk to in your house to get, um, you know, to, to ask a question to, right? But, and they're always listening, so in effect, they're always an open channel. Talk about where, how you've seen this sort of step up for that small business that may have 10 employees, or even like my, my husband's company, um, that he works for, they might have a hundred companies and remote people that are contractors. They're not necessarily employees that can have these kinds of things come up. And it's not even um, the actual dollar amounts like this. For a small business, it can be devastating because of the, lack, the productivity kill that it happens when your system gets hit. So, so talk about... Um, you know, what you're seeing happening in there and then sort of like the, the three common techniques or what techniques that ha hackers would use to be able to penetrate this and their motivations for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, just to just to reiterate the point about small businesses, right, there is a common misconception that it's only large businesses that, that get hacked. And I think we've seen that even before COVID, small businesses do get hacked. And now after COVID or within COVID, I guess we're still dealing with it, is that small businesses are getting attacked. IBM actually did a study uh, recently that, you know, kind of gave it to the point of the small businesses. What is the impact? It's $7.8 million uh, of, you know, impact 
if a small business gets attacked, right? So that's wow. a huge number for small businesses and to recover from that uh, is gonna be pretty tough. Um, so when it comes to uh, cyber attacks, so I wanna kind of give an idea of why there's an uptick in uh, cyber attacks, right? Not only for big businesses, but for small businesses. It's particularly because uh, we're all working on the cloud. So if, if you think about it, our emails are on the cloud, our accounting software is on the cloud, HR management tools, databases, and in some cases, our intellectual property is also on the cloud, right? So I'm not saying, you know, being on the cloud is a negative thing. It's, it has a lot of benefits in terms of scalability, automation, remote access. And in fact, at Avisio, we actually help clients migrate uh, to the cloud. But I want to caution your listeners in saying that um, you have to have the right, correct security protocols implemented by a security expert, right? Our head of security always talks about, um, you know, the first line of defense you have is education, right? If you have a team of 10 people, two people, you know, three people or 100 people, you have to make sure all your contractors and employees have some type of security awareness training, right? Uh, because that allows a baseline and then continuously uh, making sure to test these employees and staff members to see if they catch the specific behavior, right? So those, that's, that's one thing that you can do. But let's talk a little bit about some of the common techniques hackers use, right? The first is phishing. The majority of hacks are done through phishing. Uh, so what is phishing? Phishing is basically hackers sending fake messages that appear to be trustworthy source. It might be a bank, it might be uh, a Dropbox email that you uh, usually use uh, that people click on, and then you might download some malware, right? And what is malware? Malware is hidden programming code that will damage your data and provide access to your network, right? So this can happen by clicking on an email or it can happen, <clears throat> um, you know, you know uh, cruising through social media and uh, you click on a link and a malware hacker is able to gain access to you there. So phishing is one, one technique that hackers use. Yeah. Let, let me just uh, clarify that or kind of, so, like for example, I I have had I hardly ever use Dropbox, right? Um, but I have had two come to me, sent you this file, you know, and and Microsoft or Google, then continues to remind me, even mm -hmm. though I've rejected it and deleted it. Two three days later, it keeps reminding you haven't opened up your Dropbox. So Dropbox is sending out a note saying. Oh, don't forget, you know, you still have this thing pending. It's going to expire. You should do it. you right. And so the first time I, you know, I, my, so one of my questions are, because you may, depending on your job, you might be getting files. It, 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 the, the, usually the first real clue on any of those kind of emails or that used to be, oh, I, I, I saw you in this video, right? Oh, I'm in a video, right? And you click on it. If there's no other text on there or this person didn't say, hey, how's it going? It's been a long time. Here's your video I saw or I thought this was funny. You would enjoy it like a regular note. Then that odds are it's a thing. I always hover over it to see if it's the actual link because it'll show up in the bottom of your screen what the real link is. And if it's not the real link, then clearly it's not. And then sometimes there's a lot of the companies like a, an AT&T or a bank or these kind of places will have a place to report that. 
so you can forward the email to that firm. So you should go to the the actual corporate's website and see if they have a way to report spam and phishing. Yep. Second thing on the Dropbox. So I sent back to the um, to I. I forwarded to the guy's email and I said, were you sending this for me for a particular reason? You know, because it could have been a vendor. It was a kind of a name. It seemed like he goes, no, my account got hacked. Don't do anything with it. I was like, all right. Right. But I didn't click on the link. I just forwarded him the note just to sort of see if it was legit. And so those are the kind of things that you would educate on a small business of their employees of best practices when they get something that's suspicious and not just assume that it's bad or this or that or the other. Here's some steps that they could take to make sure that it's a valid email or a valid request. Absolutely. And just checking, as you said, checking the email every time uh, you, know, you open it and making sure the URL uh, that's, that's on the email on the body of the email, as well as the email address. If you hover over the email address and really take a look, is it coming from, you know, avc.com or, or is it coming from xyz.com, right? So making yeah. sure that matches up to who is actually emailing is very important uh, when it comes to uh, education. It's just stopping and you know, looking at it. Now, if you're in a, in a network, then you might not have to worry about that kind of stuff. But then even uh, highly trained hackers are able to get through your network, right? But at a basic level as a small business, having a private network is very important because then all your emails are getting filtered through uh, this uh, filtration system. So that's, so that if I, a private network is the VPN. So yeah. a virtual private network. And that works where people when they go to, they log in to a separate, like they have their own password, they go to a website and log in and then they get access to their company's resources as if they were in the office in a secure network? Exactly, exactly. So you're basically replicating a physical office on the virtual network. And so what we do as an organization is to set those up for small businesses and medium-sized businesses. Uh, in terms of putting the right firewalls based on the size of your company, based on the level of information you have within the company, and also providing access levels to particular individuals, right? Maybe everybody in the organization doesn't need to access every single thing, right? So permissioning uh, the, those users and making sure there isn't people accessing information that's not necessarily necessary for their job, day-to-day -day job. And if they do need access, then we can request access on a case-by-case -case basis. So sectioning off and isolating uh, those access levels also become critical. Yeah. So when within um, an environment, whether you're in an office and you're within your secure network or even on, you know, logging in through a VPN, is there a risk when uh, the, the, that employee or that person is using their own personal email on the same computer, they're checking Gmail, they got their VPN session and they're checking Gmail and this kind of thing that we talked about, like the Dropbox thing or something like that comes up or they're, they're surfing, looking at articles on the social media and they click on something that's, is there a risk that, the, that they could be um, compromised with it or is the risk outside of the office any greater than the risk inside the office in that same scenario because they're introducing outside access into their computer? 
Right. So that's so when they're accessing website in the physical office, it's going through through the internal network, right? So when they're accessing it through their personal computers, then it's going through their personal connection. So they might they might be in a, a home or they might be in a coffee shop, and all of that information is getting routed through that that particular router. So so information is at risk. But if you are going through a VPN uh, tunnel you are less likely to have that risk level, right? So, so you want to make sure that at a minimum, that organizations have that VPN connection. Yeah, so the, so the hackers haven't really been able to figure out how to like kind of sit and wait in that computer to then go into the VPN because VPN has a higher level of security associated with it. Okay. All right, good. So what about how, what is talk a little bit about ransomware and why that that has become such a, a term that we hear these days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So ransomware is is a type of uh, type of uh, malware, right? So it actually encrypts all your files and takes it hostage and makes it inaccessible unless you pay the ransom. So ransomware might start out with just your website and then it kind of spreads like a virus to all your other parts of your organization. So those also will be taken hostage and then you'll have to pay the ransomware. So we see you know, small, and, uh, small mom and pops type of stores getting uh, hit with ransomware, startups, schools, hospitals, and even government entities for that matter uh, get hit with ransomware and it's very hard to recover after that. Um, so I, I bring this up is not to kind of scare uh, scare your listeners, but to educate them. And at ABCO, we want to educate small businesses right. to put them to, to ransomware, um, especially in this time of transition to remote work. You know, staff might not be aware of this type of thing. And so we actually have a free assessment on our website that your listeners can go and uh, fill out and see, you know, what is your level of uh, security for your organization, right, on abco.com. And uh, you'll be able to really understand where are where vulnerabilities, right? Right. And we can address them. Because if you don't know where your vulnerabilities are, there's no way that you're going to address them. Yeah. And so uh, just for those that are listening and may not, it's, it's E-V-I-C-I-O. E-V, E Edward, Victor, Indigo, Cat, Indigo, Oscar.com. And there you can get this assessment that yeah. you can do yourself and then, and then through that. And then I guess you guys do, uh, like you'll do a free call or somebody will talk to them about that once they completed the assessment to, to find out you know, their, their level of vulnerability. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and in terms of vulnerability, you know, if you have a security expert or a technologist on your team, it's important that they are updating their software, right? So we- right. We all hate to update our software on our cell phones. Similarly, for businesses, we have to make sure we're updating our software because the software producer is providing patches, right? And so that's, that's one big reason how hackers are able to get in because people aren't updating their software, so the patches aren't coming through. So one thing that you as a, as a business owner and a startup is to make sure uh, to update those uh, software patches. And those are just, I want to emphasize this. So this is in the, you know, there's the problem, one of the solutions. Okay. So we got VPN, making sure you got a secure access. And the other solution is making sure all of your software is up to date. 
And mm -hmm. sometimes if you don't have a dedicated IT person that's tracking, because you know, sometimes they, they're, they're out of sync with each other. One company, a Microsoft might come up with an update and then all the other little apps that use that haven't. And so you might have to wait a little bit or be selective in the way you do patches based on your own. But if you don't have that kind of in-house resource, those are the kind of services that you guys provide as well, right? That's our subtle infomercial here, but yeah, that's, I mean, cause, and, and, and there's other, you're, you're not unique in that, but you, I, you know, there's other companies that are around, but you know, the, the point of, of this is to understand that there's a company out there that works with small businesses, understands the pains that small business, business owners have and can provide that as an, as needed basis. So, um, I, and I also want to address in the updates of software it's also when it comes to your, if you're doing websites based off of WordPress mm -hmm. or off of some of these other tool sets, I had a huge problem a couple of years ago because I had a, a blogs that were out there that were in a, really inactive. They were, had had, you know, a purpose at the begin at one point in time, it might've been a landing page. There was a certain topic that we had and I just hadn't been updating them. They were just, you know, they were just out there and they were just, but they were all housed on the server of, and, and most small businesses will have a, they won't have a dedicated hosting. They're in a sheer hosting model on their websites because the cost of a a, when you go to a VPN, you would, but the cost of that, but you can upgrade with that. But so if you're one of those people, you, I got, they came in through a back door of one of my non-updated WordPress sites and, and, and basically locked down or actually the web host caught it. And, and because they wanted to stop it, they hadn't done damage to my site yet, but they locked down my site. I couldn't get email. I couldn't have, people couldn't submit stuff on it. It came up with an error code when you, and it was horrible. And I had to go through and dig through and take all of that old data off and, um, and get, and, and decide it was easier just to kill these, a lot of these websites rather than go through the update of it. So it's really, really important if you are a small business, if you're doing email marketing, you're doing internet marketing, you're doing campaigns where you're driving people through different types of sales landing pages, that you have somebody, and there's lots of services that will do this, sometimes your hosting company will do it, that they maintain the updates to, the, to WordPress and whatever operating system you got the website on, but it's also with the plugins associated with that. And so I just real I wanted to reinforce your point there, Shamil, because we think about it as just, you know, Microsoft, and I, and I hate updating my phone because it's like, oh, what apps are going to break? And, you know, when it starts, you know, and I even to the point of like now even like, and I think about it like on my, my prime video, right? It's got, it's behaving funky. Yeah. And they're like, oh, reset. I was like, oh, but then I got to download all the apps again. And it's like, sometimes it's just, it bite the bullet now. So you don't get harmed worse later. I don't know. I was trying to figure out a better way to do an analogy there, but you know, so, you know, is that, have you seen that with your clients where they, they think they got it all under control because they're doing regular old productivity and office apps and then bang through some side door that they didn't think about that something like that'll come in. 
Yeah, so we've definitely seen that. And also, you know, I want to mention one of the reasons is to stay vigilant, right? And to make sure your passwords are set up, right? So one of the things that we recommend to all of our clients is when you set up a device or even personal, this should be for your home, like the IoT devices, they come up with default passwords, right? And they don't tend to be complex enough. And so we want to make sure that all your devices have complex passwords. Um, and, you know, hackers are able to get into a password that's about eight characters. Like if you have uh, passwords that are eight characters, it's very easy to hack that. So you want to put in uh, passwords that are 15 or more characters that have alphanumeric, uh, have some kind of, you know, characters in there, capital letters, all those kinds of things. And make sure you're not recycling passwords. So, uh, so it's very important, <laughs> important to, you know, <laughs> have a system in place. Uh, and, you know, this comes to education where, you know, yeah. you're educated, the importance of having secure passwords and not saving them on a document. Which oh. also- <laughs> <laughs> you mean what? I shouldn't have a, an Excel spreadsheet that's, that's named passwords on it? <laughs> As long as Excel <laughs> also has another password, which is complex, and it has a multi-authentication factor involved as well, uh, which is another thing, which brings another thing, is having that multi-factor authentication uh, login process. I don't know if you're, uh, I'm sure some of your listeners are familiar with it. Basically, when you go onto a website, you put in the password, and then you go to your cell phone, and you uh, open an app and put in the actual code that comes up, and that code is rotating on a continuous basis. So that's a much safer way to secure your documents, secure your applications, websites, all those types of things. Have they been able to hack uh, fingerprint authorization yet? Um, depends, I think. You know, uh, I, 24 Hour Fitness used to be uh, my client back when I was in corporate, and uh, they used to do the buyer scan to do the uh, uh, logging into to the, the web to the gym. And it was only scanning like a few points in your fingerprint. Um, so there were some uh, vulnerabilities there, but you know, I think unless you're getting the full fingerprint, there, there's gonna be a risk involved. Yeah, but- because now they're linking it, the second authorization for some, instead of sending you the passcode on your phone is your fingerprint. And so, you know, you think it's really secure. Yeah, but they're also doing eyes too, scanning the yeah. eye tracking it that way as well okay so um what haven't we covered when it comes to to all of this what 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 other challenges or what other recommendations do you have for small business owners yeah so one of the things that um small businesses really should have is one is a network and then once you have a network once you're big enough um you're connecting all your devices right and the traffic is going through that network, we want to make sure that those devices are isolated, right? So if one device is having a particular uh, security level and another device is having limited security level and those devices are talking to each other, they need to be in a secure environment and it needs to be monitored. One of the services that we provide is a 24-7 network monitoring service, just like your you know, home uh, alarm system. Somebody's monitoring uh, live to make sure your network is safe and secure, right? So making sure your networks are isolated based on your security uh, level is very important. 
Um, the other thing I would say is if you are a growing organization, you have a lot of intellectual property rights, a lot of data, specifically customer data, um, is to start thinking about cyber insurance, right? Uh, cyber insurance is very critical uh, when an attack happens. It can really devastate a small, uh, small company. And it's very hard to recover because, you know, if you get a ransomware, you got to pay, you know, half a million dollars to get your data back, right? And then uh, once you get it back, how do you make it put into a secure environment? So then you have to hire, you know, security experts and engineers to do all of these things. So if you have the budget to do that, you know, some cyber insurance might be also another technique that you can, you can use. That's a great, I, uh, I, I, that's a great idea because that totally makes sense. And then you have uh, the that insurance company is also validating that you're doing because the, the risk assessment is going to validate that you've done the things that you need to do in order to prevent a hack and stuff like that. So, uh, and then that's, you know, and, and so for investors that are listening out there, as you are thinking about mitigating risk, what are the things that you mitigate risk when you're investing in a company or uh, doing a follow-on investment? You know, we have oftentimes talked about key man insurance. If something were to happen to a person that is critical to the success of that company, one of the founders or the inventor or something like that, that you have a way for the company to carry on while you seek to recover from that, from if something were to happen uh, to that person. Well, I sounds like cyber insurance is another one to put on a checklist, particularly if you are a software as a service company that you are delivering your software and you aren't getting hacked and becoming a channel for some nefarious person to get into one of your customer's sites, right? Plus all of your own customer data, your billing data, all that other kind of stuff that cyber insurance should be something that goes right on the checklist of what do you want your money being spent for spent on when you invest in companies like this? You just can't take it for granted. Cause I tell you, you know, as a small business person myself, every time I think that I can just get away with not doing it, then it ends up coming back and costing me way more time and money than if I had just done it to begin with. I, I remember when that big, when Equifax had that big hit, yeah. And it cost them a bunch of money when they did that. And everybody, like all of us in the business world and the computer world, were like going, well, who was the CFO person that, you know, was sharpening the pencil so much that they weren't going to pay, pay for that software update? Mm -hmm. And they did some analysis of that, the fight between the CIO or the CTO and the CFO that says, we need this in our budget to be able to make sure that we're secure and we can't get hacked. And they're like, ah, it ain't that big a deal. And then look at how much it costs them, right? And not only costs them significant in, you know, real dollars for recovery, their reputational cost. Yep. The, the, they, I think they got penalties from the government too, because they had all of this personal credit information was now exposed to social security numbers, all this kind of stuff. It was, it was huge for them on that. And so every penny, I bet you probably have a saying around there at Avisio. It's like what, what for every, you know, like the pound, a penny saved, pound foolish or penny, what's, you know, something like that. So a penny saved on 
prevention. It's better to be proactive <laughs> than essentially proactive than reactive, right? Yeah. Come on, your sales and marketing, you got to come up into a tagline that a penny saved, you know, for whatever. Yeah. Work I, on that. All right, Shamil? I'll, I'll work on that. <laughs> be proactive, you know, be vigilant, educate your, educate your staff, and uh, make sure that, you know, everybody has the right resources to do their job better, right? Yeah. Essentially, we want to make sure that all your employees are safe and then the business is safe. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's what we do here at Avisio uh, in terms of all of that. And, you know, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention uh, last year is the, the Yahoo attack, right? Uh, oh, right. Uh, email addresses that were uh, hacked, email accounts that were hacked. That went unnoticed for three years, right? <gasps> so, I didn't know that. So it went unnoticed for a long time. And so you might be hacked. Your web website might be hacked. And the functionality might be working now. They might be extracting data. Yeah. Well, so, I'm, I'm suspicious that Dropbox hasn't gotten hacked. That's why these all of a sudden, too. I mean, because I'm not connected with these people. How would they have known my email? Somehow they got, they got, they hacked it and they know, you know, here's a Dropbox account and here's a Dropbox account because there's, I'm not in that guy's email address book. Right, yeah. the only source that we both would have would have been Dropbox. Right, right, exactly. So, stay vigilant out there. <laughs> but I don't know for sure. For anybody listening out here, I'm not saying that they actually got hacked. I'm just wondering. Disclaimer. No, no, I'm disclaiming. Just a curiosity conversation among friends. Right. <laughs> All right. So thank you very much for being on the show, Shamil. And please, everybody, go to avicio.com, E-V-I-C-I-O.com. Get your checklist. And please visit kieranrands.co to learn about how we help entrepreneurs and investors create wealth through compassionate capitalism. And uh, t stay tuned. There's a little message afterwards. So thank you again, Shamil. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, Karen. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast Radio, where we encourage individual investment in entrepreneurs to create generational wealth and best practices for small businesses to succeed. Help us spread the word about compassionate capitalism by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. The Compassionate Capitalist Podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. In production for over 10 years, there are over 180 episodes available for your listening and educational pleasure. With over 130,000 downloads, this podcast is rapidly becoming the top podcast for investors and entrepreneurs to get the information they need to create generational wealth through entrepreneurism. This podcast is brought to you by the Business Power Tools which offers an online collaborative environment for leadership teams to prepare business plans, marketing strategies, financial modeling needed to attract capital and scale a business. Also, Lindio as a entrepreneur's resource portal providing access to dozens of lenders offering short-term and long-term debt to help business owners manage their financial cash flow and growth capital needs. BizX, creating affordable advertising resources, and other tools for entrepreneurs to succeed and create awareness and trust with their customer base. And Launch Funding Network, part of Cougarand Capital Holdings, 
It's a network of hundreds of angel investors, investor clubs and networks, venture capital firms, private equity funds, family offices, investment bankers, and lenders. Please visit karenrands.co to learn more about the Launch Funding Network and our sponsors and to sign up to get our Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Break and learn more about how we can help you succeed.